Hello, and welcome to Everybody's National Parks. This is your host, Danielle. This is episode number 9.3, the third episode in our series on Crater Lake National Park. In this episode, Brian talks with park ranger Mimi Gorman about how Crater Lake was created, what makes it special, mysteries about the lake, and tips for visitors. Before we get to the conversation, we'd like to ask for your help to grow our audience by telling your friends, subscribing, and leaving a review. Also, we love creating each episode, but it takes significant time and effort. Please consider supporting our work through Patreon, which provides a way for listeners to support the show. Just go to our website, everybodysnationalparks.com, and click on Support the Show. Thank you for listening. Now for this week's discussion on Crater Lake National Park. I'm with Mimi Gorman, a seasonal interpretive park ranger at Crater Lake National Park. Mimi, thanks again for joining us today. We really appreciate your taking the time. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. So Crater Lake, I've just come back, oh, a few months ago now with my brother to a great trip to Crater Lake National Park, but I want to hear from you. Could you tell me what is Crater Lake National Park? What is Crater Lake? And um, what's so special about it? You know, that, that's, I love that question. And I can only answer it from my perspective. You could ask any visitor who comes here, and their response is going to be unique and quite different from my own. Um, for me personally, you know, it's, it was interesting. When I took this job, I had many uh, former coworkers say, oh, you're so lucky. It is such a magical place. And I had visited here twice before, and I wasn't sure what the magic was they were talking about. But the more I learned about Crater Lake National Park, not just the lake, but the history of Mount Mazama, the challenge of all the plants that that grow here, where the animals actually hang out. I mean, there's just, and, and on top of that, some of the wonderful mysteries of Crater Lake, that became the magic for me. But I guarantee that you ask anybody, and their answer is going to be completely different than that. I think you're right. You know, look, uh, anyone who loves the outdoors has been to a lake at one time or another, a, a small lake or maybe one of the Great Lakes. But there is something really special and magnificent about Crater Lake in itself. And so let's just start there. How was the lake formed, Mimi? What could you tell us about the formation of this in Mount Mazama? Yeah, you know, it's always interesting because what came first, the lake? Or the mountain. In this case, it really was uh, Mount Mazama. But when you get here, you don't have any idea that there was a 12,000-foot mountain that stood in this place. What you see is this deep blue lake. So about 7,700 years ago, Mount Mazama had a, a very explosive eruption. The magma chamber two miles beneath it was so filled with magma and under great pressure that that magma rose and essentially emptied the mountain. Ash flew 30 miles into the air. It, flew, it was blowing across America, across Canada. And even today, it can be found in ice cores in Iceland. So it was, it was one of the most explosive uh, volcanic events in the United States. But that wasn't even the end of the story because the mountain still stood. It just happened to be hollow. And there was still magma, and that magma 
rose up out through side vents, and those side vents weakened the structure of that mountain, and the mountain fell upon itself, fell inward, filled up the, the void that it created, and then more magma rose and sealed it. Yeah. So somewhere beneath the lake is actually Mount Mazama. The lake started to fill after that with uh, rain and snow. One of the mysteries of, of Crater Lake is that the story of Mount Mazama didn't end there because there are four volcanic features underneath the water. And one of them is Wizard Island, and that's the only one that you can actually see. Mm-hmm. And I think the one big part of it is you're at this super deep lake that's up in elevation. When you think, usually you see a lake, it's usually down at the base of a mountain if there's a lake in a, in a mountain area or at a low-lying area. But to travel up to see a very deep lake is mind-bending in, in some regards. And, uh, and that you, as you said, that lake is sealed. So how, do the water le- how does the water level stay consistent? Isn't there evaporation or uh, if there's big snowfalls? I'm told that the water level stays very consistent year in and year out. Is there seepage? Yes. One of the words I like to use to describe Crater Lake is mystery. And it is estimated that it took about 470 years with today's precipitation rate for the lake to actually fill to the level it is. And when you're standing up on the rim, you have to think for just a moment, why doesn't it, why isn't it higher up? And the reason is, is there's a section, if anyone has ever seen the Palisade off the Hudson River, mm-hmm. there's a section of rock formation that looks very much like the Palisade. Beneath there uh, is the remains of, of a glacier that occurred uh, during one of the, um, or between one of the eruptive periods of, as Mount Mazama was, was growing, that glacier left behind in its retreat, left behind a lot of glacial fill. Mm-hmm. Right there in that area is where water seeps out. Now, there's approximately 5 trillion gallons of water in Crater Lake. Five trillion gallons of water. And it's estimated that in this location that I'm talking about, beneath the Palisade, that two million gallons an hour seep through there. Well, it gives you a sense of the scale of the lake, which was my impression. I, of course, had seen pictures of it, but uh, it wasn't until I got to the rim that I realized, wow, this was a lot bigger than even in my imagination. And you're right, Mimi, to think about what had stood there before the eruption? It boggles the mind. It's hard to wrap your mind around it. Right. The gold prospectors that came here in the mid 1800s, they weren't being told the stories. They weren't being told where Crater Lake is. They had to find it on their own. So Crater Lake was respected by the native peoples that, that lived here. That's interesting. So, so the native people were around there, and then it was, quote, discovered by gold prospectors. Uh, what did the gold prospectors think when they saw it? Do we know anything about uh, their impression? Did they immediately say, this is a special spot? Or because there was no gold, they just kept, they just pushed on and, and, and left it? What, was there any sense of that they were in a, in a special spot? I guess I could turn that question on you to answer it by saying 
what was your thought when you got up to the rim and you looked down on that lake? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, did you lose all other thoughts and you were just focused on the lake? Because what, what these gold prospectors, they were rising up to a high, higher peak so they could get a better sense as to uh, where they were and what direction they needed to go. And they were lo- running low on on food. And John Hillman in 1953, he's on his mule and his mule stops two feet before the rim. And he looks down and he's with two other prospectors. And and they didn't know what to think. Matter of fact, they needed to come up with a name. And so they had quite a disagreement from what's been written about what to call it. And they decided on calling it Deep Blue Lake. <laughs> Pretty basic, but it works, right? That's very descriptive. Right. Well, and it's fun because the lake itself, it has it had gone through more prospectors to know about the John Hillman group uh, who came came by in the 1860s and they just called it Blue Lake and then someone else called it Lake Majesty and then finally in 1869 it was given the name Crater Lake and that's stuck which is interesting in in itself because what you look at is not a crater you look at a caldera if you're standing on the rim and you see Wizard Island at the top of Wizard Island, you have a crater. So the the summit or the point where lava has come out of a volcano, that's called a crater. Mm-hmm. But what what the lake actually sits in is a caldera. I see. And that's when a volcano collapses on itself. Well, you know, I wonder whether it was the prospectors or just you know my visit a few months ago. One thing I did not anticipate was, and I should have, was the evidence of the eruption as you approach. So, you know, Mimi, do you want to talk a little bit about the pumice meadows that one would see on the, on the way up? Yeah, you know, it, most people don't, they're not mindful of what they're driving through because they've seen the pictures of Crater Lake and that's what everyone wants to see. And I can't blame them for that. But we have... Um, four different force zones as you drive up to Crater Lake. Most of the soil that these plants have to grow in um, started out as pumice. And pumice is a very light, and it can be in different sizes. In some of our pumice field, there's pumice that is 200 to 250 feet deep. So when it rains or the snow melts, it just goes right through that. So in order for things to grow here, it takes a succession of plants, mm-hmm. um, some small plants that can maybe add nitrogen to the soil and break down that pumice right. so that larger and bigger things can start to grow. And here at Crater Lake, as I mentioned, there are these four horse zones that are noted by the most significant tree in those zones. And at the lower elevation, you have the ponderosa pine. And at the higher elevation, you have the white bark pine, truly a different in size between those two trees, both very magnificent and both very strong for different reasons. One, one grows at 8,000 feet in elevation and doesn't grow very tall. I just think it's dramatic that, um, for me, not being from the Pacific Northwest, 
when I do go, you know, I'm used to seeing these towering, towering trees that you can't really see where, at least where we are here on the East Coast. But when we got up to Crater Lake and then suddenly in some regards, it disappeared and you had these fields of pumice where if you squinted just right, it looked like the surface of Mars. And so I think that was pretty dramatic as well. And, and by the way, the one thing we did learn is it makes for great uh, stargazing at night because uh, if you don't have a canopy and you're away from some of the, whatever little light pollution there is around uh, Rim Village, being out in the pumice desert, the pumice meadows, it was great stargazing as well, which was an added benefit, we thought, for the park. I know, Mimi, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about how to, with all this, the, the surrounding area and the rim and the lake. How to visit this? So I think we'll start. Uh, well, we'll do through a couple of modes of transportation. So can you talk to us a little bit about the trolley and how one would access the trolley and, and where would the trolley take you? Sure. Let me back up just a moment. Uh, as we talk about pumice fields and pumice deserts, those are places that are really fragile. So it's not recommended that people spend any time walking on those, just because it does take forever. Takes you know hundreds of years for plants to get started there. But transportation and the experience here at Crater Lake National Park really has a it has a great history. Even so our current couple of things that you can do is you can take boat rides and trolley rides. If you think back in time, there were no roads that even got you up to the park. And the roads around the park were designed specifically I mean, originally they were only like 12 feet wide, and now they're two-lane roads without any shoulders, and that's about as big as they can get at this point. So one of the ways to drive around the lake is to not drive around the lake, but let somebody else do that by taking one of the trolley tours that is offered. There's a ranger on board. We love to talk about different formations and various aspects of, of the park. Uh, you can also hike a mile down, and I hope you had a chance to do that. Hike a mile down to on the Cleekwood Cove Trail to take a boat tour. Mm -hmm. And the boat tour, it's interesting because you see the same things from lake level that you can see from the trolley tour, but it's a different experience. I certainly wouldn't vote for one over the other because they're both of information and a lot of fun. However, with the boat tour, you have to remember that you have a mile walk back up. And that, we always joke that that's kind of like a 10-mile hike back up. Yeah. And would you agree? <laughs> well, you know, just end of the day. We did the boat tour and uh, can't recommend yeah. it enough. But yeah, end of the day, you know, you're ready to head back and uh, now you've got some work to do, that mile, uh, that mile walk. So, uh, my brother and I are pretty competitive, though, so it was a uh, let's see who can get up there the fastest, and that made that made it a ten mile. You know, in our minds, ten miles did become one mile. So, yeah. I I agree. It is, um, and I think look what you what you're implying, and and by the trolley is if you're uncomfortable driving uh, on these narrow roads, and they are pretty narrow, then maybe the trolley is a good move so you can relax. So one can relax if you're the driver. Uh, and it's funny that I didn't think about that, but you're right. Uh, cause those are pretty narrow and, uh, the trolley would, you know, take that weight off your mind. And you're right. Seeing that perspective from the water, we did do that hike down. We, and we even, uh, we did jump in and swim and seeing that perspective from in 
Crater Lake, um, looking up was something that was invaluable. It was a little chilly, but, uh, but invaluable. And finally, I also want to back up to, to be clear, cause I don't want to get in trouble with you, Mimi is, uh, when we were talking about the pumice deserts and seeing the, um, stars that was at our backcountry campsite, lightning Springs and our campsite backed up to one of those, uh, fields. So we, so I don't want you to think we're, we're Danielle and I both are very, uh, cognizant of social trails and how destructive they can be. So last thing I'd want you to think is that we were out there making a social trail where we shouldn't have, we just happened to have a backcountry campsite that backed up to these fields. And, you know, we had an audience front row seat for the Milky Way and the rest of the stars. So. Yeah. No, I wasn't making any accusation there. What I what I was referring to is, you know, every national park has those places that are fragile and just places where if if people go all the time, they will lose their their beauty and their uniqueness. And so I just was um for our audience just letting them know that those pumice deserts are fully alive, but yeah. are going to take some time to come to fruition. No, it's, look, it's a good segue, and it's also a good reminder, because it may be a pumice desert at Crater Lake, and you know it may be a wildflower field at Great Smoky Mountains. Either way, right. stay on the trails. Don't, don't make your own trail, because uh, it may just be you this time, but uh, you know, add a bunch of feet going over that, and, and suddenly you're trampling down something that's trying to grow or you're ruining something for somebody else. So it's a, it's a very good segue, which is why, you know, take the boat ride, take the trolley ride, right? Those are well-trod, well-trod areas. So you have the boat ride, you have the trolley ride, and then you have, of course, you have plenty of hikes that, that you can do. And of course you have all the great resources, Mimi, that you provide, you and your colleagues provide. I'd love to hear, I know you have a bit of storytelling as well in terms of your background. What are some of your You've alluded to some, but what are some of your favorite stories about Crater Lake National Park? As a park ranger, we have so many experiences. I mean, every day, every person you meet kind of changes how you think about the place. And one of my favorite things is when junior rangers have finished their junior ranger book and uh, you get an opportunity to sit and talk with them. And one of the pages in our book is about them being able to create their own national park. And it's fascinating what some of them will just use the the images and icons that we um, suggest that they can use, but many of them will will use their imagination uh, in creating a national park that they want us to visit. One of them created an edible national park <laughs> where everything in the park you could eat and it would regrow. So there was always enough for everybody who came to visit. That's oh, pretty clever. <laughs> and isn't it clever? But it's also the essence of what our national parks are about. It's, you know, and, and I'm sure the child hadn't thought about this, but but our national parks are about preservation, recreation, and the balance of those things. There'll be enough for future generations to appreciate and enjoy as well. That's right. Especially as, you know, as we've talked about how hard it was to get to Crater Lake years ago. And it's uh, still not, it's still not easy, but it's a, it's a car ride. And so it's, uh, the visitation's going to keep increasing, most likely. Right. The stewardship's important. Right. Um, speaking of someone that's been around for a while, could you tell us a little bit about the old man in the lake, who, who we also saw, but I, I'd love to hear your description of the old man in the lake. Well, the old man of the lake sure gets a lot of attention. 
he's kind of an icon in, in the lake. Um, won't be there forever. Uh, he was first spotted in 1896 by a geologist who was doing some soundings and measurements on the water. And he sees this thing in the water and goes over to it. And lo and behold, it is a western hemlock tree that had floated into the water. Well, for most of us, that's no big deal because we've all seen logs floating in the water. But this one happens to be floating vertically. And I say happens to be because over 100 years now, it's been floating around the lake. It's 30 feet underwater and about three feet above water. In the 1930s, a naturalist decided that he wanted to know how far the old man actually traveled. And it turns out, after taking distances, sometimes twice a day, but not quite always every day, they figured out that the old man traveled about 62 miles within a three-month period of time. He's, he's certainly peripatetic, right? He, he certainly loves to stroll around the lake. Yeah, so, so part of the mystery is how does it do that? I mean, you're talking about a vertically log that's just going around the lake. Well, that's, that too is one of the mysteries uh, because even if you ask our former chief naturalist, he'll say, you know, this is just one of those mysteries that's better left unsolved. And, and I like that idea because it gives us something to be challenged by, to think about, are there currents in the water? Is it the wind? Does it have roots? Are there rocks underneath it? Has it petrified? I mean, there's all kinds of questions that, that rise as, as you talk about the old man. Right. I guess one is, why hasn't it rotted? Oh, yeah, exactly. Why hasn't it rotted? And, and it still actually has tannins in it, so it's not all bleached out like a lot of logs get uh, when they're in the water for so long. Yeah, we, we saw him. He was, uh, he was in a corner of the lake, and apparently, this was September, and apparently he had been there for a little bit, and they thought maybe uh, he was hung up, but he was definitely, he was vertical, which is so odd, and given how clear the lake is, uh, you could see down pretty far. It is indeed very mm-hmm. much vertical. Uh, it was just strange, just a strange thing to see. And the fact that he, next time we go, he'll be somewhere else. It gives him, ana- <laughs> it gives him animation, right? It, it uh, gives him some agency here. So it's hard to really to talk about a tree when here we are. We're talking about a person moving around the lake. Exactly. Yeah. Mimi, are there other mysteries? Oh, there are many mysteries. There's a garter snake on Wizard Island that is evolving to not having a bright yellow stripe on its back. There's moss that grows 100 to 400 feet, like icicles along and around the shoreline. The one native animal in the water is the Mazama Newt. Mm-hmm. How and when did the Mazama Newt actually arrive in the water? Yeah. And why is it less red than the the Ruskin Newt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why does it have less of a red belly than the Ruskin Newt? I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of mysteries, big and small, that focus around Crater Lake National Park. Do we think the garter snake is uh, evolving 
uh, its stripe is evolving away so it's not as visible for raptors and other predators? Or we just don't know? That would certainly be the theory, yeah. especially when you look at the rock on um, Wizard Island. It's very, very dark. Yeah. Yeah. And the garter snake is also very dark with a bright yellow stripe or two bright yellow stripes, it would pretty much stand out. That's right. To those predators, for sure. That's right. It is, it is a fascinating place. And again, not just, not just for the history and, and where it's situated, but for all of these mysteries, which makes it a very wondrous place, I think. Um, and man, your imagination could really run wild if you, if you let it, which is also part of the reason why to, to visit a park. And I guess, you know, you, you mentioned the junior ranger wanting to eat the park or an edible park. But I guess, I, you know, I just wanted to end here is, do you have, Mimi, a personal story where, uh, and we ask a lot of our, uh, our guests this, when, you're, um, when you've been in the park, have you at one point, something struck you and stopped you and you realize, wow, this is a really special, I did not expect this, this is a really special place, or is it an everyday occurrence for you? Oh, I, for me, it was the story of Mount Mazama. That story. And it seems to be a story that doesn't end. And what I mean by that is the mountain may not exist, but it has left a legacy. It's left a physical legacy of, of the lake, the caldera, Wizard Island, and the other three volcanic formations underwater. Uh, it has left the legacy of these forests, but it also has left a legacy within each person that comes here and visits and takes away not something physical, but something in their heart, something in their mind, that the story of Mount Mazama just goes on. You know, it's as though you are not describing a place, but you are describing a living thing. Much like the old man in the lake, which we're joking around about, but really, you're not joking here. You're describing a living, evolving growing thing, which is a great way to look at it. I, I didn't think about it, but you're right. It is dynamic. It is not static. It's dynamic, as are living things, right? Exactly. Yes. What an amazing uh, note to end on. It, uh, now I'm, I'm ready to go back. I can't wait to go back. Again, Mimi Gorman, Crater Lake National Park, thank you very much for all of your help. We look forward to seeing you soon. Look forward to having you back again, maybe in the winter when we have some snow on the ground. Oh, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Yes, it would. Thanks very much. All right. right. You're welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. While there, consider clicking on support our show. You may find the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you like the show, write a review, give us a five-star rating, and please tell your friends. You may also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or send us your comments at everybodysnationalparks.com forward slash contact. We love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybodysnationalparks. Most of all, Enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.